1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the
0: inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Adam Jones, today joined by a crack team <laughs> of Chris Beasley and Paul Wheelock to discuss Everton's first point of the Premier League season, uh, Damari Gray's late goal, eventually in an Everton a 1-1 draw a home to Nottingham Forest in, I think what we could admit probably wasn't the most exciting game of football that we're, uh, that we're ever going to watch. But, Bees, you were mm. there with me at Goodison Park nice. at the weekend. A point to point, I suppose, but it could have really been more for Everton, really, couldn't it? Yeah,
0: I think we were were expecting more, and that's uh, no um, disrespect to Nottingham Forest, who have uh, assembled a hu- hugely expensive new-looking yes. team. Um, and you could think... Forrest could be a decent outfit going forward, but unlike a lot of newly promoted sides, this might have actually been a good time to play them. And there's so many new signings, it's impossible to bed them in all so, so quickly. I mean, you even look at that bench, the fact that they had Morgan Gibbs-White and Dennis both on the substitutes bench. So they're still having to integrate a lot of these new signings. So the hope was that Everton could take advantage of that and get a first victory of the season peppered their goal with a lot of shots, but it's not like um, Keeper had he didn't have to pull any worldies out the bag, anything like that. Just to, Yet again, we all know, don't we, there's a fear that there's no natural goal scorer there leading the line. Rondon was back in, um, at least gave a focal point to the attack. Um, at least he could play off him and um, it, it, they have been missing that, but... I just fear that um, he's never going to be up to, to, to scratch now the way, the way we want him. He's been an effective Premier League player in his, his first time over in England at, at West Brom and Newcastle United. But I think after you know that spell in China, as much as he's uh, tried to work on that fitness this past year, he's not what Everton need. And they're just still crying out for that strike. And I just hope that they do get somebody through the door um, before the deadline, just because um, Everton can't afford to keep writing off all these matches.
1: Yeah. I mean, Paul, Steve Cooper said after the game that he thinks uh, nothing and for us were the better team and they deserve the win. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure which game he was watching, to be honest, because I didn't see certainly uh, get that impression from the match. But what, what, did, what did you make of it? I think Bees has summed it up quite succinctly there in that, you know, Everton did play some nice football at times, but it's quite obvious where Everton are, are lacking right now, isn't it?
2: Massively, I thought if if we would have got the goal in the first 15 20 minutes, I think it would have been a pretty comfortable afternoon actually. For I haven't played really well in those, I know Connor Cody said in your interview, then the plan was to take the game to Forest, and and we did that. And we did that, we just there were a lot of good balls going in the box, a lot of shots from outside the box, a lot of shots from outside two or three kind of chances or half chances in the opening stages. So we can't knock the setup or the the attitudes of the players because it was very positive. But it, it, yeah, I think it was the, the one of the classic examples was close towards the end of the first half, where Gray was on the left-hand side of, the back and he whipped a free kick in, and Henderson saved it with his feet. And you just wonder if Calvert-Lewin or a more mobile centre forward than Rondon was there. And I think it's been the case against Villa and Chelsea as well. Those little scraps in the box where strikers just instinctively are, we we would have won that game. And it's hard, it's hard, it's, it's hard to. To knock Rondon in a because, as as you, as you said, Chris, he gives you that focal point. Which, and I, I don't know you said in one of your analysis pieces, Adam, I don't think the subs work strangely. But at the same time, you look at Rondon and you think, God, can you not be a bit quicker? But you clearly yeah. can't because he's just not that player anymore. He's getting on, and we just seem to be stuck in a, in two bad places at the moment. That we've probably got a forward there who's probably an adequate squad option, but not really ready to start. But then you take him out, and we haven't got, you know, a, a natural centre forward. I thought it was really tough on Dwight McNeil to go up there. You know, it's clearly not his position. But no, I don't agree with Steve Cooper. It wasn't a disaster. I uh, thought the start was good. I thought the end, obviously, should a lot of characters come back with, with less than 10 minutes on the clock. You know, credit to the boys for that. But yeah, there were bits in the middle where, again, it's, we're saying the same things, crying out for a centre forward. And, and, and the worry is that. We've played the Forest side, who, as you said, Chris, uh, you know, could be a good side this season. But they're clearly, you know, they're almost getting built from scratch again. We should be beating them. And you even look at Villa's two results: either side of the win over us, and they're not in a good place. Chelsea lost at Leeds, and we've got to be positive. It's still early days. Uh, there's still plays to come in, all being well. But yeah, it can't go on where we we keep on tossing points away because it will be a tough season if we do that.
1: I think a lot of uh, a lot of emphasis after the game, especially, was placed on that double substitution that Frank Lampard made, yeah. which brought Salomon Rondon and Tom Davis. Both of them came off the pitch, uh, and obviously, you know, Everton did lose that focal point in Rondon when he went off. But you could kind of see what Lampard was thinking. He was he was getting tired, wasn't he? You know, it yeah. was it was it was his first start of the season, and you could you could tell it was his first start of the season, sort of thing. But I think it was something that i alluded to in a piece yesterday it, it kind of sums up the problem that everton have sort of walked themselves into now Deli ali was sent out to warm up about half an hour before the end of the game yeah. and when everton were desperate for a goal he was still patrolling the sidelines doing his stretches yeah. we've sent out ellis sims on loan who you know you can argue whether he's ready for the premier league or not but he's an option yeah. nevertheless isn't he so it, it's just a it's just a strange situation that Everton find themselves in now, isn't it? And you can understand a lot of fans' frustrations in the... It, it, it's kind of avoidable in in some sense, isn't
0: it? Yeah, um, Frank Lampard was speaking about this before the game in the press conference on Friday, and I'm I'm not too sure if I agreed with what what he was saying, to be honest. In that. You know, he pointed out they'd lost Dominic Calvert-Lewin half a week before the season started, which, of course, was an unfortunate injury. But you shouldn't have been putting all your eggs in the Calvert-Lewin basket anyway. Um, Richarlison had been sold on the 1st of July. It was a deal they knew was going to happen a long time before that. It needs to be more forward planning, in there? You can't depend on... Yes, when Calvert-Lewin is fit, he's an England standard centre-forward and has scored a lot of goals the season before last. But given all the troubles he had with his fitness last season... You can't be dependent on him. Um, it's something Michael Ball said in his column, we'll have that coming up later, you know, 40 games a season. That seemed very naive to think that he was going to give you that. And you need other alternatives in there. I mean, Michael even argues the point that even if Richarlison has stayed, you might need enough forward option there, ideally. And with the two young lads, Ellis Sims and, uh, and Lewis Dobbin, then, okay, yeah, we understand what Frank has said and that they need to have that development, go play lower division football on loan. But you could have perhaps waited sell them towards the transfer deadline. While Everton were in this position in the early weeks of the season, they could have come in, done a job on a short term basis and then send them out for the majority of the season. But just seems strange of let them go now, literally gone into the season without a recognised centre forward for that first game. Rondon's come back now from suspension, but yeah, not much fit, not sharp enough. If he is he ever going to be sharp enough, I doubt it. But what Everton need, um yeah it's it's a mess and like you say Deli Alley um we're hearing all week that Everton giving the green light for him to go to Besiktas, but Everton don't really have anyone in his position anyway. They don't play with a 10, um, so it's a strange one anyway, especially with the, the lad from, from, from Ajax, uh, Kudos, or however you pronounce it, being linked. I'm told he often plays as a 10 as well, so I'm mm-hmm. not too sure how he fits into it, if he if he was to come to Everton. But yeah, it's strange that you know they, they were actually crying out for a goal, they are crying out for changes, and Delhi Ali's left on the bench. You've got five substitutes you can use this season, and they're not able to utilise it because the Manager obviously doesn't think there's enough there in reserve to actually make a change. Um, it, 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 it's a it's a um, tough situation for them. And I don't. So I, if, if Delhi Ali decides that he is going to stay, I'm not too sure long term where he he does fit in because I mean, do you even get to a point where if he approaches to any games, are they going to deliberately not use him to so the 10 million doesn't kick in? So. Let's just see what happens to him this this next fortnight. Yeah, but it's of course, state of affairs when you've got him warming up on the, the bench and, you you know, you only use two of your
1: five subs. Mm-hmm. I think, Paul, if, if we're playing devil's advocate a little bit, I think from the club side of things, especially in terms of this striker search, they'll probably say, well, I think despite what Frank Lampard says in his press conferences, it's quite obvious to other sides that Everton are desperate for forward options at this point. But even with the sale of Richarlison, as we know, Everton's financial situation isn't really in the sort of position where they can be throwing money at it and, you know, giving an extra couple of million here or there to try and get the deal through. So it must be quite a tough uh, sort of negotiating position for the club to be in. I, I, and I think a lot of fans would understand that. But, you know, we are getting a lot closer to this transfer deadline now. Uh, this is nine points that Everton have already played for this season. Only got one. There's two more uh, Premier League games before the transfer deadline, isn't there? You know, it, it, time is time is kind of running out because I think, as B's quite rightly mentioned, Everton aren't really in a position where they can afford to just push these points to one side.
2: No, not at all. And I think it was only a couple of weeks ago, was it? Just after the Chelsea game, we are on this pod and we were praising the recruitment because at that stage it sounded like just a guy was going to come in. within days, Frank had talked, you know, uh, a lot about how a striker was going to be needed, but you've got to be careful. It, it, is, it is a really difficult balance act because, you know, Everton aren't the only club in for a striker at the moment. Wolves, Man United, it sounds like Villa are going for someone else who's sad. There's a lot of teams who want forwards, we're probably teams who were probably better positioned in the table and better positioned financially. So it is a very tough market, but they did a lot of good business early on in the window to strengthen the defence. Hopefully Anana can uh, deliver on his promise and hopefully Guy still comes in and then the team's looking a lot more solid. McNeil's sort of a good option wide, but yeah, they've, they, they need to get it sorted. And you guys will know better than me when you're with Frank Lampard in the room with him before and after matches, but you can tell, he can't really say much more now, can he? You know, you can you can tell with the post match press conference on Saturday. He knows it. Everton know it. They've got to act on it in some way. Uh, it is difficult with one situation. It is difficult because Calvin Leung could come back in a few weeks, and then you've got to say to that player, listen, unless we change formation and go two up top and, and play a number ten in from the two midfielders, they may not be uh, they may not be starting every week. But it it just it it needs to be done. It needs to be done as soon as possible. Like. You, again, I'm trying not. I'm trying to stay on the positive side, but Brentford and Leeds over the next week, you've got to be trying to take at least three points out of them because the two games after that are very, very difficult. Uh, they're very, very difficult. I think we need some kind of resolution on Delhi Alley this week, and maybe, and maybe the Anthony Gordon thing. It's I know Everton have been very strenuous in saying he's not for sale. You know, Gordon's not asked for a move, but in the back of the minds, they must be thinking as well: what if they come back with? 50, 55 million, because that will, you know, that could change things, couldn't it, in terms of going out and buying a strike. So, yeah, there's a lot up in the air at the moment. The Royal Blue Podcast, from the Liverpool Echo. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy.
0: What are doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions.
1: Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy.
0: Trying to make it out? because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now.
1: What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Well, I mean, as we record this at about quarter past two mm-hmm. on Monday afternoon, you realize all these uh, all these things do change. Uh, you know, Anthony Gordon has reportedly taken Everton out of his Twitter bio, did put that to the club and they they keep saying that they, they're not aware of any new talks or any new bids that might be submitted for Gordon as things stand. But if we're just looking at his performance at the weekend mm-hmm. bees, it was well, he seemed to mirror the team, I think, in a lot of ways, didn't he? He started well in that first ten or fifteen minutes, did look very bright. But I think we were saying to each other with Joe Thomas where mm-hmm. we the it did look like he was trying a little bit too hard, especially in the second half.
0: Yeah, um, another thing that um, Michael Ball had said to me, I mean, you can't fault the player for trying too hard, but almost like trying to make something happen, or like a highlight moment perhaps when it, it wasn't quite on. It was interesting, actually, after I dashed off to get to get my train. <laughs> after, but, uh, a couple of the fans from, from Goodison were talking about that chance right at the end that he yes. had. They said that, uh, you know, a, a, a mm-hmm. Brave player would have actually put his body on the line and trying to go on with the keeper and got clattered and won a penalty. I'm not too sure about that, but that's what the fans who were in the ground uh, were saying. Yeah, um, it, I, I thought, yeah, it was similar again, like you say, it, it, was, it was decent performance. Um, Frank, even um, if you take the transfer talk out, the equation has challenged him this season to create more in terms of goals and assists, because that's the thing with Anthony he's a lot of potential, but, uh, you know, as a player in the final third, he doesn't need to improve those actual tangible numbers. He needs to get them as, as part of the game. He can read it a lot into um, these things that he's done in terms of people have had different ideas about the, um, the salute to the fans post-match and the way he, <laughs> he applauded. I mean, to be fair, he, he, he tends to do that a lot of the time I anyway say, after the yeah. game, so I don't really read into that. Maybe read more into the social <laughs> media thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I I'm I'm virtually twice his age, but I mean, if if, if, if I was a 21-year-old lad play, playing for Everton, and then even if there was you no know, a, a transfer in the pipeline, I just wouldn't go and do something like that. I just wouldn't yeah. remove the the Everton livery or whatever you want to call it, or just the wording from from your, your social media. The, I, th- I don't quite know what's what's going on, there. and he's certainly not the first, or won't be the last no. who, who's done that. So. No. I just don't get that, personally. But, yeah, one thing that Frank has said is that he doesn't think that the transfer talk will um, affect his performances, and as long as he is still an Everton player, I wouldn't have any um, problem in, in, in um, actually fielding him. We've we've done our um, teams for tomorrow, and I suppose we'll come to that. Uh, I personally have left him out, but it's nothing to do with any of the transfer stuff. That's just a squad rotation thing. But, yeah, at least he's, you know, he, he looks committed, and, and that's, all, that's all you can ask and just hope that as long as he's an Everton player, he keeps producing performances like that. And hopefully, if there are more Everton games from him, that there'll that, be a bit more end
1: product. Mm. I think Bees has hit the nail on the head there, mm-hmm. hasn't he, really Paul? I mean, of course, you know, in, in transfers gone by, you have seen players sort of down tools in these sorts of situations or even, you know, in very extreme circumstances, even you know, refuse to be selected for the squad. And Gordon has completely gone against anything like that. You know, the fact that we're talking about in Paps trying maybe a little bit too hard to impress. You know, it it's it 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 well I wouldn't say it's a nice scenario to be in, but you know, it it it's it's still good to see him putting in the same amount of of effort as he always has done,
2: isn't it? Yeah, without question. I thought for twenty minutes he was absolutely outstanding. Like well maybe the team weren't outstanding, but I thought he was Everton's best player in those early stages I do. I was on the way home, and like the BBC Radio Mayor said, on um, a few people were saying, and even Stubbs, he kind of agreed a little bit. Alan Stubbs saying his head might have not been on the game. And I, I disagree with that. I thought he, he lost his way a little bit after that booking because he was charging round, wasn't he? So fully committed. I wonder if that played on his mind for a little bit, you know, after he got the booking in the first half. But then towards the end, he was he was leading the fight again. And yeah, he, he clearly does have to, you know, improve his end products. But on another day, I and mean, if, if, if that end product was. Which, you know, if he polished it a little bit more, you could have come away with a hat trick on Saturday. There's the one in the second half where he had curled the shot, which Henderson touched wide. There was probably a better opportunity when he cut him from the right onto his left foot and he kind of just He just didn't put enough power on it, went straight into the keeper. And, he, he, and, and that's the thing the The argument is if Everton was to get 50 50 odd million pounds for him, is he worth that at the moment? Probably not. But if you took what he brings to this side out. it's really worrying because, you know, already we're talking about a lack of creativity and a lack of goal threat. And okay, he doesn't always deliver on on, on that goal threat, but he makes things happen. Uh, So, you know, I I had no problem with his performance on Saturday. In terms of his social media thing, yeah, he's a kid, isn't he? He probably should know a little bit better because he's only going to get tongues wagging. And I, I just imagine the truth... With Gordon and not not the truth, that's probably the wrong word, But I imagine he's kind of in the middle where Evan do not want to sell him, but like any player, they've got his price. And Gordon loves Evan; you can tell that by the way he plays every week. But Chelsea come knocking, like you probably you wouldn't exactly knock it back straight away, would you? You'd probably you'd want to hear what they want to say. You know, he's a top young professional, he's ambitious, so it must be tricky for him at the moment. You know, because yeah. this this is the first time anything like this will have, have happened. Really, I imagine.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, away from the transfers and, you know, looking back towards the performance at the weekend, I think if we're mm-hmm. focusing on positives, uh, you've got to start with Alex Iwobi, haven't you, Pete? Yeah. Um, Another, not, you know, all action performance <laughs> from,
0: from Alex Iwobi. Who, um, um, can we even say what his favourite position is these days? Um, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, um, it certainly, he was, certainly wasn't bought as a holding yeah. midfielder. So you've got to give him plenty of credit in that respect. Um we wondered, was he a wing back? Was he a number 10? Was he a winger? What was he? And yeah, you know, it's the one area that Evan really sort of along with center forward, the crying out for a supposed, you know, reinforcement and obviously the protracted attempts to bring Idris Gay back to the club. And yeah, he he, he was everywhere again, um, covering every blade of grass on the pitch, um, just wholehearted displays, feeding off the energy of the crowd, which seems to have really encouraged him since Frank Lampard. Um, came in I, mean, yeah, I think I did a statistical look at him last season and you sort of looked at how he was playing under Benitez and then under Lampard and it, w- it was night and day, it really was that different whereas his, his defensive numbers had all gone up and okay, his offensive ones had tailed off but a much more effective performer for the team because that was always the thing when he was in that attacking role a bit like Gordon to a, suppose, to a certain extent wasn't getting the numbers to sort of justify that sort of uh, area on the pitch he was playing in but yeah, I mean, it Who'd have thought it you know, a few months back he would be talking about this, Alex Iwobi, and playing in this position? But yeah, you couldn't, couldn't fault him at all at the weekend.
1: Mm. What do you make of him, Wheelow? I mean, you know, I've seen some stats going around from Iwobi's game uh, since the weekend. I think he's created eight chances so far in the Premier League or something like that, which is more than double any other Everton player. And that's still from playing in that sort of deep position. I mean, I wrote at the weekend that I think he's probably first name on Everton's team sheet right now and I think that probably remains even if Everton do bring in another midfielder let's say and you know maybe he doesn't play centre mid anymore like you've got to try and fit him in somewhere else at this point haven't you because he, he, he sets the example for everybody else on the pitch right now.
2: Without question, thought it was summed up by that incident in the second half was it where he chased all the way back into the the left-hand corner flag near the Gladys Street end and like Everyone was off the feet. It was just it just summed him up at the moment. He's he is truly a player. player transformed. I was watching Newcastle yesterday, that brilliant game against City, and the commentators were talking about Joe Linton and like, you mm-hmm. know, the transformation he's had. And like, I always right up there with him. You know, he's been he's been absolutely fantastic in the back end of the last season. He's been Everton's best player in these in these three games. And and you can see that kind of relationship between himself and the fans have, have changed, because there were a couple of times. On saturday where he charged for he's always so positive and his passing was slightly astray but there was no there was no kind of moans or groans or anything like that because the, the, the supporters really appreciate what he's bringing to this side at the moment and since that's what you were saying there, adam like you know if this looks like his position now doesn't it centre mid and it, it if if we are to get another midfielder and you wonder if he gives frank the option of playing three, whether it's four at the back or you know, like five at the back, up three in the middle and then another one close to Calvert-Lewin. Because, yeah, at the moment, you can't... You certainly can't drop him from the team because he's the first name on the team sheet. But I don't think you can change his position either. He looks completely at home there, defensively and offensively. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing what's happened with
1: him. Mm. I saw a bit of debate on the other central midfielder at the weekend, Bees, Tom Davis. Yeah. I thought he had a pretty, uh, pretty good game. I think the game not only changed when Rondon went off, but when Davis went off as well. I'm not sure that, you know, it was necess- It was particularly necessary for Davis to go off unless it was again, sort of a match fitness thing, but I didn't think he seemed to be tyrant. I thought of, I saw a few people saying that he, he wasn't exactly very good at the weekend, but what's it, did you make him?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think Tom Davies seems to be um, suffering of who he isn't rather than mm. who, who he is at the moment. Um, I was down at Villa Park the previous weekend. But obviously, we had to come on in the first half because after Lee Decorey got injured, and looked pretty solid there. Fitted, fitted in well, slotted in well. Um, yeah, he's been pretty um, seamless. And uh, like I said, the problem seems to be that you know he's not an honour and there's the excitement that he brought like that, or he's not the coveted defensive midfielder who they keep trying to sign and haven't signed. Or even he's not Alex Iwobi, I suppose. Mm, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I thought it was solid again from, from Tom. And it, we, as much as we're all excited by Anana, I mean, there were moments to get, yeah, it was up and down at Villa and then set up the goal after giving it away. OK, we still 40 yards to run for that goal at Villa. But then the incident. When he lost the ball setting off on on Saturday, and then the rugby tackle—I mean, <laughs> attempted at rugby tackle—the less about that, the better. I mean, let's get that out of the system early, early on because we don't want any more of that. Um, I know he's a big lad, but um, don't want to be switching codes like that. Um, yeah, um, he's obviously. Let's not let's, let's not sort of drum that self confidence out out of him. But uh, yeah, we can understand where. So much excitement for an honor, even before he was on the pitch, and when he was warming up and down in the Gladys Street, getting excited there, as he's going up and down the main stand, there, such the line. But like I said, with Davis, it, it, it's who he isn't rather than who he is, and I think he's been—he's, you know, given considering he's had to slot in a difficult circumstances. I think he's been pretty solid, to be fair. The
2: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle.
2: A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I mean,
1: Paul B's mentioned there that he doesn't think that Davis is the, you know, the sort of number six defensive midfielder. He's certainly not. The new transfer that uh, Evertonians have wanted, but if, for, like, say, for example, Frank Lampard is to switch to uh, a three-man midfield in in the sort of near future, Tom Davis has played as that defensive midfielder before, and I think he's done quite well, especially under Carlo Ancelotti. He seems yeah. to really get a tune out of him in that position. Is he arguably Everton's best option in in, in that role that they've that they've currently got? Even if even if Adrisa Guy com, comes in. I do think he's. I don't think he's necessarily suited to be in a number six either. So, it's. it's. It, it, it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? Like it, it. I just. I just think that Everton haven't really addressed that position in the squad. Even if they do bring in somebody like a guy to go alongside
2: Onana. No, no. On Saturday, I think the biggest compliment you could pay Tom was that Everton were a worse team after he we went off. And you know, like that. That's what that spoke volumes how we played. I think. Probably should have done better with a couple of those chances I spoke about earlier, but he was he was again nice and positive. I think him and Owobi slotted in alongside each other really well, and I thought he did pretty well at Villa as well, apart from a tackle that yeah you know that definitely merits a a yellow card. I I think with Tom, I'd be I'd be lying if I said if I think he is a first choice player at Everton, but I I don't mind him being in the squad, and I'd rather have Tom Davis. Looking for a place in midfield rather than Gabamin and Gomez and you know two players and a one's injured at the moment, but who clearly don't have long term futures at the club. Still think we need another person in there. I think just a guy uh, or a player of his ilk would would help things massively, really. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with Tom being in the squad. for he was really good on Saturday uh, and did well against Villa. So in the the couple of appearances he's made at the moment. Uh, no problems whatsoever. Yeah, I still think we need someone better in the number six role. But yeah, Adam, I, I agree with you. It's probably the best of the options there at the moment.
1: Mm. I'm sticking with you, Paul. I mean, I suppose we've got to talk about the goal that eventually came for Everton as well. Long ball forward from Pickford, a bit route one, wasn't it? But, you know, picked out the Mardi Gray expertly well. Amazing first touch and
2: it was a very cool finish from the winger, wasn't it? Yeah, he was great on. I thought Gray was great on Saturday. Uh, I know he's had a bit of a few, few, few critics, hasn't he? After the first two games of the season, he's been in and out a little bit. He's not taking his chances. But I thought, along with a and thank heavens he was there on Saturday and Gordon to a, a little extent. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Gray, great ball by Pickford. Probably needed to make up for his uh, his part in the goal. I think you know Pickford's been absolutely amazing for Everton. But I don't think looking back, he may think he should have pushed that further wide, but his distribution's absolutely tremendous. I know yesterday afternoon Pope had a really good game for Newcastle. He's a really good goalkeeper and you've got the usual high-profile journalists on Twitter now. It's not Ramsdale, it's Pope, isn't it, for England? You've got to remember there's two things to that. Yeah, Pickford probably should have done better with the goal for his score, but look at that distribution. Uh, There's not a goalkeeper in England who's got footwork as good as that and it's an option you know if, if we're not if we're going to play without a striker, and hopefully it's no no that's not going to happen we're going to have one in for brentford on saturday do that you know because i think there was a little while on saturday wasn't it where we looked a bit like once we took R- rondon off it was like the team didn't quite know what to do because obviously didn't had that focal point that chris is talking about but once they got to grips with pickford yeah absolutely brilliant uh grey out of the three I think Gray's probably the best of the option playing central because he's got that. He, he looks the most central kind of player to me. But yeah, great finish by Gray. Deserved it for his performance and fair play for Pickford as well.
1: Mm, I think Gray looked sharp, didn't he? Bees and he through throughout the game. But I think what impressed me most uh, at the weekend was probably his set pieces. Put in some uh, really nice deliveries into the box. And as Paul rightly said a little bit earlier, you know, like to Tom Davis, potentially should have should have done better with the opportunities that were created.
0: Yeah, that one on the back post for, yeah. for Davis. Um, you just get more of like a got the connection on it. Yeah, um, you can see both ends of the field, they're, they're working hard and trying to improve these set pieces because mm-hmm. it was a real Achilles heel, unfortunately. Last season, uh, it was noticed that um, Ashley Cole has moved from his... Um, he was he was up with us, wasn't he, Off yeah. in the press boxes last season, trying to get a vantage point. Uh, not that you get a great vantage point, uh, some press <laughs> <box> of, um <laughs> The, the, what was going on the pitch, but he's now on the touchline, a very much a hands-on role, both mm. um, boxes, both offensively and defensively on the set pieces. And hopefully it's an area that Evan can get joy out of, because man, they really did struggle um, last season in terms of conceding from set pieces and then delivering it. It often goes to the first man, wouldn't get in to the danger area where it needed to be. So um, if we can have more of that going forward and hopefully some of them coming off, um, yeah, please. You've got to have that 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 delivery there. I know Anthony often takes him as well, but if you know if he's not there going forward, maybe, maybe that's more of a chance for Gray to be to be taking them. But yeah, it's an area that Everton. Can improve upon and it's certainly you know if, there's, if they're in a lot of these um, tight matches, um, which we have been so far this the season. You know, only one goal in it. Chelsea and Villa and then a draw on the weekend. You know, these set pieces can make a a, a real difference both ends of the park.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well. Moving away from the weekend's performance, we've got a midweek game for Everton to contend as well. This week, Everton taking part in the second round of the League Cup, travelling to Fleetwood uh, on Tuesday evening. Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to come to you with the age old question that we say every single time that this comes up. Uh, <laughs> How many many changes do you make to the starting lineup for a game like this? Oh,
2: yeah, it's always the classic, isn't it? Yeah, like you just don't want to make too many then lose (laughs) because we will never hear the end of it for the next few days. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, for maybe longer than days. You probably bring in the the new left back. Mm -hmm. Will Begovic be the goalie? I'm quite happy with Pickford plays, but you probably Begovic. Managre, uh, Coleman's probably the time to bring him back in. Mm. Heen, the midfield to give Anana a go. It feels like the time to just to, yeah. to, to to bed him in. And then you probably stay with Ron on Light bees. I think you could give Gordon a break, you put so much into the game. It's probably about half and half, isn't it? I reckon maybe like keep five or six from the, the team on Saturday and then mm. bring a few. I wouldn't won't go too much, you know, over, overboard. It'd, it'd be quite nice to see. A couple of the young lads on the bench as well, if not starting for what they did in the summer. Warrington, Mills. I mean, me and you were speaking about it earlier this week. We Cannons had a brilliant start to the season. Is he worth a place on the bench? No, it's, it's a huge ask for him to play Premier League football, but he's been linked with like championships and League One clubs. Why not get him involved? And then if we're, if we're a couple of goals ahead and winning comes from you, let's get him on. Let's see what he can do. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go overboard. Still want a strong spine to the team, but we, I wouldn't
1: mind seeing three, four, five changes. Mm. I think B's There was there was a lot of debate about Cannon, especially yesterday, as it was confirmed that he signed a new three-year deal with yeah. the club. I think really, really good for the club to tie down uh, a talented striker like that, especially when he's on this upward tra- trajectory as he uh, as he is. But w- would you would you be tempted to start him at all on Tuesday? I think it's it's an interesting situation, isn't it? Because Rondon is you know quite obviously in need of match fitness, but is this match going to maybe come around a little bit too quickly for him in that sense? Or do you just give him the first half and see what he can do and then bring Cannon on at half time? Yeah,
0: I, I, I would, I'd keep Rond on him because, again, because it gives that focal point. And also, if you remember back, Last season, uh, Boreham Wood in the FA Cup. Mm. Um, that was actually his finest hour yeah. in a Royal <laughs> yeah. Jersey today. To, you know, against lesser opposition, against non league opposition, that like, okay, Fleetwood League were a couple of divisions above them, League One. But hopefully, you know, if, if Rondon can start, if he could get a goal, that could help he boost his confidence ahead of Premier League fixtures at Brentford and Leeds coming on the horizon, and then get the game won, and then give the young lads um, a, a go second half. I mean, I think for me that that's the key if you can try and get yourself in a comfortable position after an hour the fact that we were talking about this earlier you've got five substitutes now You can make you do all the chopping and changing then once the games won don't like put yourself on the back foot from the start with you know a lot of youngsters in from the start and then all of a sudden you're to go down or got a bit worse than that and get it get the, get the tie won, get in a comfortable position with your established players. And then see if you're in a position to give the young lads a go because you can change half the outfield team now, both in the Premier League and the Carabao, a couple of five substitutes. And uh, so that's what I'd do. I'd start with Rondon, spearheading the attack, and then hopefully you're in a position where you can give these youngsters a run out.
1: Mm. I think, arguably, as well, Paul, it's not just a debate about the personnel, I suppose, it's it's about the, uh, the system as well. I've, I've seen still there's a lot of debate going on about five at the back, three at the back, whether we need to switch to a 4 3 3 or. Or whatever. Do you see this as a good opportunity for Lampard to maybe test out uh, a new formation and just potentially see how different players might fit into it? Uh,
2: yeah, it might. It, it could well give uh, Frank the chance to, to have a look at another system. Uh, you know, he's he played obviously with a three at the back and a four in midfield and three up front, and it suits the, the the players we've got at the moment. But you'd hope for with further transfers to come in give us more options in midfield, and I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to see three and three in the middle of the park. To be honest, and it, it kind of that was probably on Saturday was one of the things. I know people around us where we were sitting. Would maybe that could have been the changes he made? I know it would have mean taking uh, Holgate Tarkovsky or, or Cody off, but maybe retrospectively he could have took a centre back off from kept Davis on there. I, I, I think he will be. I think he will be fluid, and I, we've got to give Frank and the, the coaching staff time until the end of the window to see what squad options he's got exactly available but i don't think he'll be rigid to three at the back uh i just think at the moment in the premier league that's what's probably best shooting everton but this it's not a free hit You've got to win you know it's it, you know we don't want to what's been a fairly disappointing start to the league season to become you know like a mini crisis we're going out the uh, to carabao cup to, to lower league opposition but no, i'm with you adam i think tomorrow night could be a, a chance just to, to, to try a few things different.
1: Well, let's hope we are celebrating Everton's first victory of the season tomorrow night. Bees, you'll be in in Fleetwood. Oh, <laughs> well, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got some. It's had some accreditation issues, but fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed, we'll be all right for that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> as I think Bees is set to be there for us, and you can follow uh, all of the. Action and reaction live on the Liverpool Echo. And then we'll be back a little bit later on in the week to uh, review this game and preview Everton's next Premier League match, which is coming away to Brentford next weekend. But for now, thank you lads for joining and thanks for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast.
0: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.